Romans chapter 12, verse 1. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren. Now, when we say brethren, we encompass everybody. Ladies and gentlemen. By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God. This is logical. This is reasonable. It's reasonable to present your bodies a living sacrifice. This is a small synopsis how to do that. Verse 2. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. I preach today, fire looking for a sacrifice. Amen. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. Father, every good and perfect gift comes down from you, the Father of lights. And Lord, I ask you right now, envelop this whole room, everyone who hears this word, to receive it with all readiness of mind. Change our thoughts into your thoughts. Direct us, Lord. Let the glory of the Most High God be in this room. I pray every prayer by the authority of your word and the power that's in the name of Jesus. Cover us with your blood right now, Lord. Healing, cleansing, atoning blood. I pray it in the name of Jesus. Make this a spiritual house, Lord. Make us a spiritual people, Lord. A people called after your name. Set apart for your purpose, Lord. Uh, yes, Lord. We need you so desperately right now, Lord, I pray. Amen. Amen. Everyone said in Jesus' name, turn your neighbor before you're seated and tell them how wonderful you think they are. first five books of the Old Testament are often called the Pentateuch. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Jews would call it the Torah, though some people might reference the entire Old Testament as such. Most of the learned Jews would confine the Torah to this Hebrew word, which means instructions. Mm -hmm. Moses was the writer of these first five books. And in them he will recount the greater portion of the history of the Hebrew people, which we know as the children of Israel. 
From Abraham to Joseph, there was much movement among these called out people. They were separated by God's request and they lived with the knowledge of a covenant between God and Abraham. Abraham's lineage continued pretty much unimpeded until Joseph came about. And then in a numerical sense, they exploded. But when Joseph died, a Pharaoh arose in Egypt that did not remember him. The wonderful things he had done for Egypt. And the population of the children of Israel became so great that this new Pharaoh saw them as a threat to his monarch. So this Pharaoh took great strides to imprison the children of Israel. He forced them into heavy labor, not of their own choosing. They were a slave nation. And after many of years of suffering, 430, the cry of God's people reached the heavenlies. And the Lord raised up a deliverer in the form of Moses. It is telling that Moses' first introduction to this great I am came in the form of a burning bush. The desert is a place of heat where fires are a regular occurrence. But this bush was not eaten up by the flames and it caught the attention of Moses. It just kept burning and burning and burning and he went over to see it. God spoke to him out of the flame and Moses then talked back to God and heeded the voice, that voice. And from that moment on, based and cataloged in this holy writ, Moses was familiar with this God of fire. He knew the difference between a physical flame and the presence found in the fire. Upon their exit from Egypt, the Bible says that God led the people through the way of the wilderness. They took their journey from Sukkoth and encamped in Etham in the edge of the wilderness. I'll read Exodus 13 for you. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them the way. And by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. While they rested, God led them and protected them in a pillar of fire. And when they finally crossed over the Red Sea and made their way to Mount Sinai, the Bible says that Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet God. They stood at the nether part of that mountain, the base of it. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as a smoke of furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. They stood there in awe to witness the God of fire. And to the Jews, their main understanding at that moment of this great God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was that he moved and he existed through fire. Moses knew it, and he made sure that when he recalled that moment, 
that he rehearsed it over and over with them. Years later, many years later, Moses will stand before the people. He remind them of that moment at Sinai. And he wrote in his last book, Deuteronomy. He said, And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only you heard the voice. Verse 15. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves. He's reminded them over and over. For ye saw no manner of similitude on the day that the Lord spake to you in, in Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Verse 24. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire. Verse 33. Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou heard and lived? Let me read in NIV. Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Finally, he's reminded them, oh, he's going to imprint, put a crease in their brain. You know, when you put a crease in your brain, we call that a bit of knowledge. Every crease is a bit of knowledge, B-I-T, a bit of knowledge. The more creases, the more knowledge. You got a really, real nice, smooth, pretty brain. Mm. Got much going on up there. Got a wrinkly thing going on. Whew, lots of good stuff. I tell my boys, find a real nice, pretty girl, but we, we get a real ugly brain in there. Pretty face, all wrinkly brain. He's putting a bit of knowledge. He's wanting to make sure they know. Verse 36, out of heaven, God made thee to hear his voice that he might instruct thee. And upon the earth, he showed thee his great fire. And thou heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. Moses wanted to make sure that God was remembered in that way. And I just wonder if that image wasn't so deeply burned into their collective psyche. That when Elijah finally came to stand on Mount Carmel and challenge those 850 false prophets of Baal, of the Groves, and of Jezebel. He remembered that in their history. And maybe that's why he said, let the God who answers by fire, let him be God. Maybe he did, just didn't pull that out of thin air. Maybe he was remembering, he's a God who answers by fire. He's a God of fire. Maybe he had confidence Baal's going to do nothing but my God is a God of fire. Our God, ladies and gentlemen, is a consuming fire. Even when the Holy Ghost first came in Acts chapter 2, Luke wrote that they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. It sat upon each of them. It must have seemed like that to him. And Luke will keep it in sync with the words of John the Baptist. Luke wrote this book. He wrote in Luke chapter 3 verse 16. He's quoting John the Baptist. And John answered saying to all of them, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I cometh the, the latchet of whose shoes I'm not worthy to loose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Of the many positions and likenesses that our God assumes. Let it be known here today in this house. Our God, your God is a consuming fire. One month ago, this very day, the Lord spoke to me these words. And he, he said to me, I am a fire and I'm looking for a sacrifice. And when I felt it, when those words echoed in my mind. And I felt the Lord's sure hand of impression in my spirit. I knew that this is not what I normally think. I think that we make the sacrifice, then God will show up and accept it. But the word that the Lord spoke to me shows me something very different. God is looking. 
Because he's always been a flaming fire. He's searching. He's searching for someone or something who will be burned up. He can use. Hear it. I wonder if we ever are ever waiting on God. I'm wondering if it's true that we are ever waiting on God. Maybe we think we're waiting on him. I'm waiting on you, Lord. I'm waiting on Maybe we think we are. Maybe we're just actually getting ourselves in a position so that he can use us and move through us and set us aflame. I wonder when the Bible says that they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I'm wondering if there's an implication there that our waiting is the process of pruning away our impatience and setting up our faith. Could it be this morning that the fire is ever present? It's never went away. Always ready to move and shine and burn away those carnal things that afflict us. Paul promoted it. I beseech you, ladies and gentlemen, I plead this case. I urge you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I submit the word to all of us today. There is a fire and he's looking for a sacrifice. You think you're looking for God, but he's really looking for you. You think you're on a search for God. He knows exactly where you are. And while you're searching for him, he's there waiting, ready to be found. But he's a fire and he's looking for a sacrifice. I'll read the scripture to you. From the NIV, Proverbs 26 and 20. Without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. <laughs> Solomon is clearly relating... This, this particular wood fired a gossip. Well, I guess he had those people in his day too. Lord knows we already have that spot filled in our church. Thank God I'm not on Facebook. But I'm looking at the first supposition. Where there is no wood, the fire goeth out. It looks like Solomon is clarifying an axiom of truth. The obvious, that there has to be matter, some material, some willing body of substance to sustain a fire. Fire always looks for a sacrifice. A sacrifice has to be a willing participant. Such is the case when Abraham obeyed God and he's bringing Isaac and they're walking up the side of Mount Moriah. They have extra wood. They're carrying fire. They build an altar. The stones are all in their place. Isaac turned to his father and he says, Dad, we have the fire. We have the wood. But where is the sacrifice? It's an odd occurrence to me. Unless I see it with my spiritual sight. Fire was always first. The fire was always present. The fire was looking for a sacrifice. The missing part has never been the fire. It's always been the sacrifice. God has never been missing. It's always been me. God has never been absent. It's always been me. God has never been late. It's always been me. God is not on time thinking he's on my time. God is on his own time and he's always waiting on me. And I've been in this too long not to know that the most powerful moves of God always occurs when the people of God are in the middle of sacrifice. 
the people of God, wherever they are in the world, whatever dispensation they occupy, all of them and us experience the most powerful moves of the Holy Spirit when we are in sacrifice. But when there is reservation and hesitation, oh yes, fire has no place to fall because God cannot consume what is not offered. You see, the opposition of a sacrificial life is a life of reservation, a life of retention, a wholeness of self. The more we try to preserve our image and our things, the less material God has to work with. I tell you today, fire is looking for a sacrifice. How strange it must have sounded the first time that Jesus said, For whomsoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I know how this must sound. I know how it must be for all of us. I've come to this place before. The words of Jesus are intrusive. He interferes in the arena of our religious preferences and indeed in our Americanism. It seems like Americanism is never in sync with the words of the master. Jesus seems to stand in opposition to the idea of self-preservation. He's opposed to your self-preservation. He's always talking about taking up our cross and following him. Giving everything away. He's always talking about servants becoming masters and the first is the last and the last is the first. It is an intrusion into my life in real terms just for starters. I know that if I offer myself in worship and become the sacrifice, his spirit will do something in me and to me that I cannot do myself. I know this, ladies and gentlemen, if I am not sold out to the cause of Jesus Christ, if I'm not sold out, I know this, the church is not going to be sold out. I want you to stand here and make a declaration to everybody. I don't know what you think I am or who you think I am, but I eat and breathe the Lord and this church every day. I didn't wake up trying to have a 45-minute performance, but the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. I'm praying. I'm seeking God. I'm never satisfied for the lost. We don't have enough souls in the church. We haven't done enough. I'm burning up with sacrifice. The fire is looking for me. Oh, yes, he is. Let me just tell you, the greater portion is if I'm not sold out and I'm not a sacrifice, my children are at a distinct disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. You better hear this very carefully now. Because we have in this house superb children and youth ministers and ministries. They're dedicated people and devoted. They clean and help because they know the value of the children. Not everybody in this place knows the value of the children. But we have enough that know the value of the children so well. And the value of the young youth so well. They have moves of God on Wednesdays and Sundays and they teach the word and the doctrine and that is confusing some of you in this house because you look at it and you think that it's enough 
It's enough for your children and your youth to experience God in their respective classes and their places of worship. And you think everything's okay, even though you're not a sacrifice. But as time goes by, the chances of your children growing up into young adults and still being on fire while you are reserved, the chances of them being on fire is very low. I'm not talking about Sunday. The price you pay for worship and sacrifice now before the Lord is far less than the price you're going to have to pay in 5 and 10 and 20 years. I want to tell every daddy in this house, you better get yourself on fire and walk around as a living sack. Hear me. Every mother, every grandmother, it's time for you to get up. Stop letting the young people and the children be on fire. And you watch them and say, that's so nice. That's so sweet. The chance of them to stay on fire while you sit back and, and preserve yourself. I don't know what you came to hear, but Jesus said of John the Baptist, who did you go out to hear? Did you go out to hear a weed flowing in the wilderness? No, you came out to hear the truth. And I've got to stand here and tell you the truth. It's time for this whole church to get on fire. You ought to be walking around as a living sacrifice. That's only reasonable. I don't know what you're holding back for. I don't know what you're hold- I don't know what you're reserving yourself for. This world is going down. The only safe place is the Lord and the church. I'm not exactly sure what all the people think. Don't cruise in and cruise out. When you get to this house, it ought to be an overspill of what you've been doing Monday through Saturday. Don't think you're coming here to get filled up. You ought to be coming here to pour out. Hear me. Hear me, mama. Nobody else serves God. You serve God. You praise God. You burn up everything. You offer every part of your life to the Lord. The best way to help your family is to give your whole life to Jesus Christ. Because you ought not ever look back and say, I wonder what happened to them. My kids are in such disarray. Aren't we tired of having children and young adults and middle-aged adults in disarray? I'll tell you how it happens. Because you were concerned with yourself. So you're chasing money and you're chasing things and you're chasing all kinds of ideas. I've got to stand up and say somebody ought to set themselves on fire. You ought to live for God like you've never lived for God before. You ought to wake up because the day is drawing near. He said it in the word of God. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhort one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. I'm sorry, but this is just 20 20 years of this. I'm kind of weary with everybody saying, I don't have time. I'm going to tell you something. Make time to get to the house of God and turn off everything else. Hey. I want you to know, we got to have people that are burning with sacrifice, men and women and grandparents and fathers and mothers and aunts and uncles, you ought to be walking around burning. And if you tell me that you have no children or that they're grown, then tell me what kind of church do you want to have? 
You want to have a dead church, a dried up church, a nothing church, a church where everybody thinks about themselves and comes in, comes out, tries to find out where someone's going to, going to eat after church. Is that what we do here? No, this is not a community club. It's not a place where you pay your bills. It's a place where the Shekinah glory of the Most High God is going to fall. And you got to get in here and say, nothing else matters. Shall we be a people of comfort? All bundled up, content with the past? Let me just tell you about the dear saints that, rep- that are represented here. Let me tell you about the dear saints. They prayed for a, ch- for a church that was on fire with the Holy Spirit. They did not invest their lives and their finances to have a diluted doctrine. And that's exactly what Brother Engel was talking about. He made a decision because he loved the doctrine. And he said, I got to have Holy Ghost and I got to have fire. That's what Sister that's what Sister Engel told me. I got to have a church where the doctrine is pure and the Holy Ghost falls. Hear me. We got to honor our elders and say, this house is going to be a house of fire and of Holy Ghost. I wonder, shall we be a complaining people? Always looking to see what's wrong. If you want to know what's wrong with the church, stop by my office. I'll tell you all about it. The biggest problem we have in this house is people. (laughs) And like Ron Mullins once said, people are pitiful. And we are all people. You want to go to a church where there's no problems? Don't show up. It's got to be empty. No body. No people. But the moment you get people in the church, we all bring our problems. All the high people may not be that high. All the low people may not be that low. All the intelligent people may not be that smart. All the dumb people might have it together. You have no idea. All the spiritual people might actually be carnal. All the people who think they're struggling, you might actually be closer to God than everybody. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of problems. You ought to get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes on the Lord. You ought to get your mouth off the people and put your praise in your mouth and say, I've come to set myself as a living sacrifice. Our God is a consuming fire. He's a fire looking for a sacrifice. I want to help somebody here because I heard it floating some months ago. Don't let anyone mock you because all you do is talk about the Bible and the Lord and the church. As one middle-aged adults said to their parents mom and dad you know there's life outside the church really oh, pray tell what life is that is that the life where money <laughs> is the goal and pleasure is the pursuit Is that the life where people search for the next great moment of entertainment? And where did that get you? After the movie is over, 
and the Disney World is over and the roller coasters are over and the holiday world is over. Oh, let's get down. And the fishing time is over and the hunting time is over and the golfing time is over and the crocheting time is over. Mm-hmm. And we got all your thrills out of the way. Where did that leave you? Did that leave your soul satisfied? Is that where you're at? I want to tell you, entertainment's going to fail you every day of the week. And I don't care how many new sites they put on Hulu or Netflix or Amazon Prime. I'm going to tell you, when it's all over, you're still going to need the Lord. You're going to be just as empty as you were before you started. I got a, I got a little offer for you. Set yourself aflame. Get inside of this house. Open up your Bibles on Tuesday. Have a little prayer meeting on Friday. Have a little Jesus on Saturday. When you come into the house, just walk in with your head high and say, I may not have it all together, but I'm a living sacrifice. I'm wondering, yes, is there life outside the church? Is that where it's? Where style and clothes and trends set the daily tone? Really? You think you're fashionable? Chances are what you're wearing right now they already wore 25 years ago. In fact, if you'll just keep all your clothes in about 10 years, it'll be back in style. Uh-huh. I don't really know what's in style, but polka dots, black polka dots, Elder, they've come back. Red ties with black polka dots must be in style. I don't have no idea. Is that what you're doing? Running around trying to find what the trend is? How to fit in? I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Forget the trend. Forget the world. You got to get the Lord. I'll tell you what's trending. What's trending is sin is rising. And where sin arises, grace shall much more abound. I'll tell you what the trend is. The trend is the Holy Ghost and fire is inside of the house of God. And it's inside of the hearts. Yay! Uh-huh. Is the news driving what you're thinking? Is the news media driving what you're thinking? Does the news captivate your life so much that it's hard to concentrate on the things of God? Is that what is really outside of the church? Is that what, where we all applaud knowledge and people of learned skills and we look up to celebrities and politicians? I want to thank God for, no, for the middle of November. When the yard signs are gone. People spend their emotions on a politician for the better or for, for good or for bad. They give their minds and their bodies as a sacrifice for political causes and nothing to the Lord. Let it not be in this house. 
Let it be that we know more about the 12 apostles than we know about any politician in Congress. Let it be, let, hey, we got to have more knowledge of the fruit of the Spirit than we know about anybody else in the sporting world. I hope we can quote a bunch more Bible scriptures than we can quote batting averages and football scores. I hope we have our affection and our heart on things in heaven, not on things on the earth. I hope you are a living sacrifice. I'm a little weary here elder I'm weary with people wondering what happened years later if you're asking what happened to your home years later you may be the answer I'm a little weary hearing it over and over again and I've got to say it over and over again because I'm in full counterculture rebuttal When people say, I don't know what happened to my kids, I raised them in the church. No, you did not raise any child in the church. There are no beds here, no dressers here, no closets here. Now, people do leave shoes and all kinds of paraphernalia. I don't know, we just put them in the lost and found. We're going to sell it at the yard sale. Cover bridge. You didn't raise these, your kids in this house. You raised them in your home. You only brought them to church maybe once or twice a week. You brought them. They got up on the altar, prayed while you watched them in the back row. They were burdened. You were idle. They were, they were shouting. You were watching. They were clapping. You were folded. Mm. I'm looking for living sacrifices. I want to have a Holy Ghost explosion in the youth. I'll tell you how I'm going to have it in the children's department and the youth department. It's when every one of us in this house sets ourselves a fire, a flame, and we become a living sacrifice. Here's what Paul wrote to the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 20. He said, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit. And it doesn't belong to you. I'm just reserved. Really? That's what you call that? I call that pride. I'm shy. I call that pride. Now, years ago, I tried to talk about pride, but I misspelled it. I kept saying pride will hurt you. P-R-I-D. I just, just kept on saying P-R-I-D, pride. Everybody was snickering. It was maybe 15, 20 years ago. It was 18 years ago. Pride, P-R-I-D. I kept on leaving off the E. P-R-I-D. And that, <laughs> he's spelling pred. Pred, he don't even know how to spell. I know. I just had something. My brain didn't work. At the end of the Bible study, people came up and said, Pastor, you kept on saying P-R-I-D. And, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And the next person said, you said P-R-I-D. And I said, I'm sorry. And the, about the 10th person, I said, I already know. I know. The E. I got the E. Prid. You know, prid. I meant to say pride. Pride will kill you. Pride. But, you know, I mean, I'm pretty mundane, I guess. I, I go to the same places. I, I like to shop sometimes at Rural King. <laughs> Even if you're not really shopping, 
you can't have popcorn. <laughs> hey, wait, there's no, there's no requirement. There's no judgmentalism at Rule King. People don't judge you at Rule King. You can wear anything you want. You can bring any kind of animal, llama. <laughs> Little dog, you know, cat. As long as you're on a leash. I was walking down the aisle and dog was doing his business. Nobody even cared. They just <laughs> kind of grossed me out, but I just went on to the other section. I don't even have a horse, but I like just to walk around the little tack area, you know. Just kind of look at all the prices. I walked down this, I don't know why I was walking down this aisle. And I found something called Prid. Uh, a big jar of Prid, P-R-I-D, no E. Man, did I feel good that day. <laughs> Old stinking people, you know who you were, telling me about not knowing how to spell. I looked on that jar. I even went up to a tenant and said, just tell me again, what does this do? He, he said, Prid takes out the infection. I knew I was anointed. I just didn't know how much. I'll tell you what we need here. We need to get rid of our pride. Put a little Prid on that pride. Because we are so proud. We can't dance. We won't worship. We won't shout. We won't give. I say today, stop trying to preserve yourself and be a living sacrifice. You ought to clap your hands and you ought to shout at God and you ought to give your best to God. Now is the time. Your body and your spirit, it belongs to the Lord. He's a fire and he's looking for a sacrifice. Our God is a consuming fire and he's looking for a willing participant. Come stand with me now. Ah. You ought to just pray right now for yourself, Lord. Forgive me of holding back myself and my talents. Somebody ought to pray. Forgive me, Lord, of not giving enough time to your kingdom and being consumed with everything else. You have no place to operate in me. Oh, Jesus, forgive me, I repent. I want to be a living sacrifice. It's, it's my reasonable service. I've grown so conformed to this world. Someone say it with me now. I've grown so conformed. Let my mind be renewed in this place here today.
offering you a moment to pray right where you're standing. And I'm opening this altar for everyone who would want to just come and stand before the Lord. And with their arms and hands opened up to God and raised as surrender to the Lord. Come on, someone, not in praise or worship, but as surrender. We lift up our hands, our arms, and surrender. I, you ought to say it out of your mouth. I surrender. I surrender ambitions, my thoughts. Come on, someone say, I surrender my time. Maybe not everybody, but someone needs to surrender their finances to God and their trust in God. You ought to say, I surrender. Take away that in me, Lord. I want to be a sacrifice to you. I know you're looking for me, Lord. You're going to find somebody to anoint. Someone, someone, someone. Oh, uh, oh, I need you. I surrender. I All my motives that are not in line with you, Lord. All my thoughts that are corrupt. My criticisms. Oh, Jesus, I pray. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Carnality and religiosity. Forgive us of superiority, Lord. Forgive us of doubt. We offer ourselves today.